Hello, everyone, and welcome to Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Off-Topic Podcast. I am, uh, uh, it's strange. I can't really seem to remember my name for some reason. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna make up one. I'm gonna go with the name Keegan. Are you like sure that's a... the one you want to go with, Chief? It sounds a little, uh, you know. I don't know. Is there anything you aren't telling me? <laughs> I don't know. It's for me to know and for you to find out. <laughs> And here with me, folks, is my lovely floating talking skull friend, Robert Fenner. Hello, folks. Nice to be here. <laughs> and we are talking about one of my personal favorite games, Planescape Torments. One of the most classic late 90s games, actually released in uh, December of 1999, so it just barely made the mark. Mm-hmm. But um, let's let's start with talking about our uh, history of this game here. Uh Rob, earlier you told me this is your first run through, correct? Uh, this is my first proper playthrough, correct? Um, I bought uh, I bought the GOG version uh, maybe two or three years ago, uh, and uh, I'm a big fan of Chris Avalon, who wrote this game, um, and so I wanted to I wanted to experience it because, like, I guess the first time I saw it was when I was a kid in high school, and I thought that box art was super ugly, and that kind of put <laughs> yes. me off. It's like kind the of like the nameless one is a beautiful man. Yeah, he he is, isn't he? It's like kind of in the same category as like the box art for like Total Distortion and Mystery of the Druids, just like a close up of a big nasty face. Um, but I, I've been hearing about how wonderful this game is for years and years. So, so yeah, I picked it up on GOG a few years ago. Um, I never really got to grips with it, and then uh, over I want to say over the Christmas break, um, I picked up the expanded. Uh, the expanded re-release that Beamdog put out on Steam. And um, although the changes are minimal, I mean, there's enough um, UI uh, tweaks uh, to uh, make this a a much more pleasurable experience than the OG game for me. Very much so. The original has not aged well in the graphics department. I don't mind so much about the graphics. I just, I found the UI a little bit hard to parse um, in the, in the GOG version. Um, but, uh, now that I can, you know, ignore, uh, any UI problems and have some ease of use clicking, I can just absorb, absorb all the amazing writing that's going on in this game. And there is a lot of it. Mm-hmm. There's been a couple of times while we've been getting ready for this episode where I've had to stop just because my eyes were killing me from looking at nothing but text. Hmm. But, uh, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Uh, this is my third playthrough yes okay. my third playthrough of the game um i actually picked it up back when i was in college i was a very poor boy back in those days i was missing out on all the latest games i think i was still running a playstation 2 at the time and this is uh early 2010s so hmm. oh yeah i was still i was still running my playstation 2 then as well that was when i was fresh out of college still had the good games though it was yeah, still good yeah <laughs> but anyways um this game coming came across my radar uh, i picked up the original version on GOG and fell in love with it instantly. I never played much, many uh, Western RPGs before this. Like my experiences with Bioware games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age. So seeing this new, uh, this new outlook for these games was really impressive to me. Hmm. And it made me do so much work outside of the game. Like I was actually drawing maps on grid paper to help me figure out where to go. I've oh, wow. never done that before in a game. Classic, yeah, like uh, like fantasy star wizardry style. Yes, oh, it was it was a nice it was a nice uh, change of pace from the JRPGs that I'm super used to. Hmm. But okay, so let's uh, talk about the game proper. I find it very interesting 
unlike many other um, RPGs out there, that this game starts with you being dead. Hmm. Indeed, it does. I was Wake actually up mortuary. I was reminded ever so slightly of the um, of uh, Beam Software's Shadowrun on um, on Super Nintendo, which is another game uh-huh. where you wake up wake up uh, in uh, in the morgue, being uh, an autopsy is about to be carried out on you, and you end up freaking out the doctors. Oh God! <laughs> but uh, this is in Planescape. It's a much more horrifying horrifying awakening. Yes. Uh... So, for those of you who haven't seen um, the nameless one, who's our main character throughout this game, you should really take a moment to just Google a picture of his artwork and see that he barely looks human. Mm. I believe um, the game says that he is covered in nothing but scar tissue, aside from his hair. So he's like this purpley mass of a man. It's it's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> his his sprite on the overworld is like. It's like a grassy mountain in a loincloth. He's really <laughs> That's he, a very good way to put it. He's he's a real he's a real hunk if in some use of that word. He does still tend to get the girls in this game, which is surprising <laughs> to me. Like it it just goes to show you kids that brains and charm are what you really need in life. Mm-hmm. Alright, so uh you wake up in a mortuary and there's nothing around you except for these reanimated corpses. And a floating skull who goes by the name of Mort. Mort is my favorite character in this game. He's nothing but a skull, but he's actually your party's tank. And more often than not, when you're forced to go into combat, you're going to want to send him in first. Because he doesn't really die. He's always biting people. And, I mean, he's, you know, in true tank fashion, he's got that uh, he's got that taunt skill where he'll just curse somebody out until they chase him around. Yes, it's fantastic. I actually... <laughs> Love jumping ahead a little bit, but um, there's side quests where Mort can learn new taunts because <laughs> certain people will just get so pissed at you that they'll curse you out. And Mort's like, ooh, I'm adding that to the journal. He's like taking notes while somebody's just completely owning you. Yes, it's cool. But uh, going back to the mortuary, I feel like this is a good first impression of the setting for all of Planescape Torment. It is not a bright and cheery game. It's very dismal and oppressive is the word i would use mm. everything's dark and uh not convoluted it's uh it's over encompassing yes that's what i wanted to say mm-hmm. there's actually no sun in this world people just tell when it's day and night by when it gets dark outside there's mm. no celestial bodies or anything yeah the plains seem like a very very weird place <laughs> yes they it's one of those things where people talk about fantasy settings that they'd love to, like, live in. Like, I would love to live in a shonen world. I think it'd be cool. I would never want to live in the Plains world. Oh, heck no. But I think there's something to be said for that. I like uh, some escapism into a, a truly dreadful place. But um, yes. just how dreadful the Plains are and, and this the city of Sigil that this game is set in, um, I think it ties in very nicely to this game's overarching um, theme and goal. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, other thing we want to talk about. The main goal for the nameless one throughout all of this is to just discover who he is. Uh, a couple things about the nameless one. He's actually an immortal who's lived and died countless deaths, but always seems to forget exactly what's happened in his past lives. So going off of a giant tattoo on your back that Mort reads you, you set off on your quest style. to discover. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you go off on this giant quest to discover who you are. 
and encounter remnants of past versions of you, some ranging from good Samaritans, others ranging to horrifyingly evil people. Hmm. You can even get certain body parts of yours back throughout the game. Uh, oh, right yes, now, you I'm can. Actually, I got one. I'm actually rocking one of my old arms as a weapon right now. Okay. Yeah, it's a solid club. Not bad stats. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Even starting in the mortuary alone, though, there are an abundant amount of side quests in this game. And unlike modern RPGs where we're given a good hint, whether it be like an exclamation point or people giving you tips on who to talk to, there's really no guiding arrow to what you need to do next. Mm. You have to talk to NPCs. No matter how minuscule or unimportant they are, they always have something for you. They really do. Um, it's 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 very it's very refreshing just how robust the uh, communications are in this game, and it can it can be a little overwhelming. And I think oh, you yes. really it's... you need to set aside the time. You really need to set aside the time. And like, if you're not playing this game for the reading, then really, what are you playing it for? It's all about learning about this world and seeing how it relates to your quest. And and it's it's something. <laughs> yes, uh, if you came to this game for the combat. I feel like you'll be sorely disappointed. Mm. There are other um, games from this uh, generation like that. Icewind Dale and Baldur's Gate series. Very similar games, but much more combat-focused. Mm -hmm. Planescape is all about the dialogue and the story. You actually get uh, the majority of your experience through discovering things while talking to other people. Mm. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah. I, I like that very much because I, re I really, really don't like the combat in this game. But oh, I'm no. <laughs> one of the things that interests me the most about role playing is, um, you know, the things that you are doing outside of combat, and there is so much of it here. Mm -hmm. uh, it also features a alignment uh, chart similar to what one would expect from a regular D and D game, and I like how minuscule things can really influence your alignment. Mm. Like, for example, you can talk to a woman who needs you to go. Uh, save a contract that her husband made. You can either vow that you will save it and become more lawful, or you can lie about saving it. It'll still net you towards the same goal, but your intentions are what really shape the nameless one. And I find that mm. super cool. And of course, law and chaos are independent of good and evil. So your yes. um, whereas in some like uh, like in Neverwinter Nights and some other Dungeons and Dragons games, you're you're picking your alignment from the outset you're not here you are true neutral and it's these little uh variations on interactions and how you complete these quests um that nudge you in these directions mm. it's uh, it's it's so good i love it what uh alignment are you going for uh, I'm trying to go for chaotic good because I think that's what I am in real life. <laughs> um, uh, at the moment, I am uh, neutral, um, neutral good. Yeah, you really gotta, you really gotta suss out some of those instances where you can really um, influence your shift. Some of them are pretty obvious, you know. Choosing not to murder an old lady will make you better, obviously. Yeah. Like uh, some of the other things, like. Um, vowing to somebody that you won't reveal a secret of theirs, and then if you accidentally, you know, while talking to somebody else, click about their secret, that can really throw you one way or another. Uh-huh, I bet, yeah. Okay, so, continuing on. So after the mortuary, um, you have multiple ways that you can actually get out of there. You can talk to the dustmen who are 
how would you describe them, Rob? They're like a guild of people who really want to die. Trash men. Um, yeah. <laughs> Trash men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the dustmen, they're, mm, they're like the, they're like the overseers or the administrative clerics of death. Um, and they, the, this this world is full of zombies and skeletons and ghouls and the dustmen they um they worship the tr- they worship the true death don't they and yes. they record the names of those who are those who have died uh to um yeah to to mark them as as truly dead but they've also got like this side racket where the dustmen, um, they give loans to people if they like sign away their bodies to like forever become, uh, mortuary attendants in death. And, um, you can choose to do this if you want. I didn't do it because forget that. But, um, yeah, they've got a, they've got a real gruesome little, little racket, uh, going on where, uh, even the dead get no rest if, uh, if you choose to, uh, you know, take your, 200 pieces of silver from uh from the dustman money when you're an immortal who can't truly die yeah (laughs) it's another great point if you want to become chaotic because you're basically lying oh i didn't think of that oh i should go back and do that it's (laughs) solid money you can actually uh because there are a couple of uh named dustmen who Mm -hmm. have a lot more involved um, involvement in stories and side quests, mm. you can sign with multiple ones to get more money and become even more chaotic. Awesome. See, I, now they're doing the a bad thing. I don't mind messing with them. <laughs> yeah, it's very, there's, um, as you get farther along in the game, jumping ahead, neither of us are even here at this point, but you're going to meet a lot more guilds mm-hmm. and a lot of them offer very interesting yet also extreme points of view mm. towards, towards uh, things in this world. Oh, have fun. Sounds a little uh, Shin Megami Tensei-esque. Yes. There's definitely a few moments where I'm vaguely reminded of a SMT4 with, like, choosing, yeah, you know, might is right, and then murdering <laughs> people. But what have you. <laughs> How did you get out of the mortuary, Keegan, this time? Um, I actually, uh, I went through the portal, which mm. I feel is probably one of the better choices mm-hmm. for new players because you also meet a very important side character to this game. And mm-hmm. it is, uh, uh, I hope I don't mispronounce this, but uh, Dayonara, she's a lover of one of the um, recent, ooh, what's the word I'm looking for? One of the recent versions mm-hmm. of the Nameless One. She's currently dead. She's, she's a mad ghost you. when you encounter her. She's kind of mad, yeah. She's a little upset, and uh, once you discover more about what happened between her and your previous incarnation, you mm. understand why. Mm. I'm, I'm sure. I look forward to finding out. She's she's a loose thread that um, I'm very, very interested in. Yes, but she offers vital insight into the world, and she also teaches you the raised dead ability, Yeah, which super nice for bringing your... Um, partners back that's one thing i don't like about the game and it's something that bugs me at a lot of rpgs including the persona series when the main character dies everything turns off Mm, yeah there's some mercies here um maybe they were added for the re-release but um i found that uh i i died a bunch in the catacombs and uh i wasn't sent back to the mortuary i was just sent back to the entrance of the catacombs and oh yeah some of the dungeons will some of the dungeons do okay yeah uh, there's actually, uh, did you get to the uh, nameless ones uh, vault? I did all? indeed. Yeah, 
That was yeah. That's that was interesting. One that requires you to die constantly. Yeah, I thought I was messing up, and then I realized, oh, I I have to solve this puzzle by just dying over and over again, which is very fun. Uh, so puzzles and what have you are all part of the biggest thing in Planescape, and that is the side quests. Hmm. I'm not sure on the exact time, but I feel that at least half of this game is made up of the quests that you can go on and the interactions you have with other hmm. people. So far, has there been any side quests that really stuck out to you that you've really enjoyed? Hmm. That I've really enjoyed? Um, it's kind of... I think I might be hard-pressed to say like a particular side quest, but it's these little things that I've encountered along the way that are uh, ancillary to the plot, but... Uh, have just done so much uh, to to brighten this world for me. Like the the first thing that stuck out at me was um, uh, inside the mortuary. Those giant skeleton guards, um, and you can you know you can fight them, you can ignore them, or you can like examine their runes and examine this uh, grimoire of how to like unbind their spell, and they just like yes. fall apart, and you take the bits of their bodies that have the spells etched onto them. Um, I really liked systematically going around and doing that and just dismantling all these giant sentinels, um, and, and harvesting their parts. Um, and the, uh, the other big one that stuck out at me is, um, meeting the letter O in the smoldering corpse bar. Oh, uh, O is such a cool character that not a lot of people in the fandom I've seen talk about, but he's such a, what on anomaly earth? that it really isn't seen anywhere yeah. else in the game. Or, or like any game that I've ever played before, just like it's the personification of the letter O in the universe, just like kicking it at a bar and talking about like the nature of his existence and and how, you know, it's part of the fabric of the universe and language. It's so, um, I'm not sure if much happens with him later or if there's any quest tied to him, but just the fact that he's there and that you can have quite a lengthy philosophical dialogue tree with him um it really i think that was that was the point that i was like wow okay this game is a lot more special than i had expected it to be (laughs) you know yes it's uh, it really does a good job at making you feel like a traveler throughout this world like there are creatures and things that you just can't comprehend that are just chilling out at a bar you know or just like hanging out in a back alley gambling Hmm. uh and i mean like the easy thing to do is to make your protagonist a blank slate a la persona but i mean the nameless one is definitely not a blank slate um and he's lived so many lives before uh so he he is he's a well-rounded um he's a well-rounded protagonist um but with his memory loss he also you know he functions as he he's his own character and he functions as a perfect audience surrogate as well for mm-hmm. this strange world yes he's he's fantastic i love one of the little things that uh, somebody pointed out to me way back in the day, but discussing how the nameless one acquires new skills and what have you. Hmm. It's not so much that he's learning. It's more that he's remembering Uh, all of these things. And even at a certain points, you can actually like, say you become a um, thief and you level up your pickpocketing skill a lot. Hmm. Well, that same teacher who taught you how to pickpocket, you can actually start to teach them how to become (laughs) a better pickpocket. And it enhances you even more. Oh, that's awesome. It's such a cool thing. Uh, Systems upon systems. Yes. Uh, One of my personal favorite uh, side quests is the woman who you catch running around in the first area of the hive after you leave the mortuary. Mm. You talk to her. She's very ragged. 
Her teeth are constantly chattering. She's hard to understand and whatnot. And trapped in the hive, which is the main, the main setting of uh, Planescape, uh-huh. the hub city, if you will. She's been trapped in the hive for roughly 30 years and has been unable to escape because when she was a child, she randomly activated a portal. Oh. It's there. Yes, and portals in the Planescape world don't just exist on like a material level. They can be conjured by having a certain item on you or even thinking a certain thought or remembering a memory. And these portals can be anywhere. Like, holy cow. <laughs> mm, it's pretty nightmarish. Um, yes. And I think I, this, I'm this not sure if I encountered this lady. Simple. Yeah, she's very uh, hard to find. Like I said, this is a, a third playthrough that I've been on. So I kind of uh-huh. knew where to look out for her. But she's really just running around in the first area. Okay. It's even hard to click on her at times. But um, you'll talk to a planeswalker later in the bar. You might remember he's like a half-translucent man. Yeah, he's the one he who, is, who tells you about, like, the different planes of law and chaos, isn't he? Oh, man, he is a lore dump for this world. Like, describes, <laughs> like, a, so like a prison and, like, all sorts of horrible, horrible places that you know you're probably going to have to go to at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but um, you speak to him, and you mention the woman to him, and he agrees to help you deliver her, or not help you, he agrees to deliver her back to her home world. Then some time passes, you speak to the planes traveler again, and he tells you that she got back safely, and he gives you her teeth, oh. which can they can be equipped on Mort, and as Mort levels oh, up, wow. the teeth gain new abilities. Oh, I gotta go back and find her. You, it's, I think, I don't, I'm not 100% certain, but it might be Mort's best weapon, just for how much it increases okay. as the game goes along. Yeah, I'll, I will have to. I will have to hunt her down and help her out for her teeth. Yes. <laughs> cool Please, Pam, may I have your teeth? Um, there is. It's it's not quite a side quest, but um, you you see how these portals are used. I mean, it, it's it's described quite a bit of how you know portals are everywhere, and sometimes they have keys and they'll send you all over the place, and it's it's a bad time. But like if you if you if you go through a, a, a door at one point in uh, in in the slums, uh, a portal opens up right as you go in. Rackpicker Square, right? Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. And yeah. you uh, you you get uh, trapped in a, a room with no exit. And these uh, these dudes come in and they're like, "Well, you're in here. Um, there's no exit. If you want to pay the toll, we can let you out." <laughs> um, and it's like that's that's their racket. They're just like trapping people and then blackmailing them. Um, so I ended up killing those guys and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and ba- barricading the door so nobody else can get trapped. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah just uh, using, using, using the rules of the world as, as, uh, crime is very fun. Oh, yes. Even, uh, continuing on the game requires certain, uh, items to activate portals, mm. like, uh, acquiring the junk. Yeah. To Pile of trash. That give you any trouble? Because the first time I played, I had no idea and I had to really search for junk. Uh, I, um, I, I don't think it gave me any trouble this time. I think it gave me trouble the first time I played. I, mm-hmm. I got into Ragpicker Square during my first playthrough and it took me a really, really long time. Uh, but, um, I, I managed to, managed to do it this time. I guess maybe, maybe my memory of, uh, yeah. of my past life. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of times in the game where not having, uh, the correct item can really cause you to backtrack just to find it. Hmm, really? Yeah. Like, uh, 
you know what? I'll save it for the second half of the episode because it's a very important plot device. So okay. But I'd like to actually go back and talk more about uh, the party members that we acquired. Did you happen to speak to Dakin at all? Yep, Dakin and- is Dakin is in my party. Um, he's uh, he's a stoic one, isn't he? He's very yes. very much about his code. He's a, but, a, a Githarazi, is that, am I saying that yes. right? Yes. Hmm. Mm. They're a very interesting um, race in this world. I don't want to say they're lawful or anything like that, but well, it's almost like the that rules is his they alignment. follow. Yeah, his alignment is lawful. <laughs> but the rules they follow in this world are very different. You must, like, you must know oneself, and just knowing about oneself isn't enough. It's yeah. kind of meditative. The more I think about it, yeah, there seems to be like an element of like a very very stern kind of Zen to to his existence. Yes, um, but yeah, like lawful is in like they they adhere to their laws, which are not our laws. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, have you been not uh, talking to him in your free time and like discovering more about his past? I have. I gave him some hassle. Um... <laughs> oh no. <laughs> He's an old man. Yeah, he, well, he's all right, but um, he was he was talking about how uh, the city and the hive does not know itself, um, and I, I countered saying, "Well, you know, maybe maybe being chaotic is knowing yourself," and um, managed to managed to confuse him a bit. And he was, and then I guess I ended up saying his philosophy back to him, uh, and uh, without you know w- without hearing it before, um, and that has managed to confuse him. And uh, uh, we're, I think the two of us are going to try and figure out why, why the Nameless One knew his words uh, before yes, meeting there's him. A, there's plenty of times where memories of the Nameless One's past will really come to him and even help in solving puzzles and talking mm. with allies. Like, um, for example, you're, what class are you playing, actually? I haven't even asked that yet. Uh, I was playing Fighter. I've... Uh... I've switched to Thief. Uh, I'm not sure how much I'm liking that. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm using uh, stealth to run around quite a bit and having some right. good luck there. Uh, but I'm not yeah, sure. Avoiding combat is number one in this game. Yeah. Uh, but when I'm actually in combat, I think I've taken a bit of a hit from going from fighter to thief, as you would. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if I'll stick it out. Um, I think I would like to experiment a bit, but I, I don't want to just pack things in either. Right. Well, um, you when you change classes, actually, in this game, which is something I really like, you retain the levels that you had before. Okay. So even if you go back to fighter now, you'll be as strong as you were when you left it. Okay, that's that good. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I would really suggest you should try out being a mage in this game. Mm, I've thought about it. I've got a bunch of cool mage gear that I can't use. Yeah, there's a, a lot of cool mage gear, but also being a mage and talking with Dakin... You can learn more about his philosophy and oh, actually yeah. acquire spells. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I, 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 I tried to go down a dialogue tree, and I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll come back when I'm a mage. So uh, yeah. I'll have to try that out. It's a very nice thing. And then when you have a high wisdom and intelligence as well, power up Dakin even more by helping him resolve his crisis of faith. Awesome. Yes, yeah, there's, I'd love to help him out. <laughs> there's a couple of really satisfying moments in this game when it comes to your party members. They're all as tormented as you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Call back to the name. Hmm. And there's actually a good reason why these tormented characters are 
surrounding the nameless one, okay. which we'll get to later after we talk more about the rest of the story. Hmm. So, um, from the back of your tattoo going to the hive, you're really giving one mission, and that's to find a man named Farad, hmm. who is a collector in this world, which means he sells dead bodies to the dustmen. And he's one of the best with some of the worst morals in the game. Oh yeah, he's um he he's got he's got a nice little racket going to the point where the dustmen don't know where where he's getting all of these corpses. Yes. Uh spoiler alert folks, he's digging up already buried bodies. Yeah, which he's... is not it's not a bad idea if you can make money selling corpses. <laughs> like it's it's great what he's doing is like he's he's selling the corpses to the mortuary and waiting for them to be entombed and then he's breaking into the tomb and taking the bodies and then selling them again and he's just doing it over and over and over again. He's like the king of the collectors from uh, yes. <laughs> from this little grift. He's an interesting character. He has his bad moments, but you can't deny that he does assist the nameless one mm. in certain ways. Well, they are um, allies, I suppose, but it's an uneasy alliance. It's a very uneasy alliance. Mm. So we discover Farid deep underground of um, Sigil. You have to really get through some very crappy places with some very unfortunate people. Like if you're if you're living in poverty in this world, you are horribly in poverty. Yeah, you're like living in a shanty town. Um, under a blanket and that's about it it's it's very sad to see some of these people's lives and just some of their quests of just how desperately they want something so simple Mm. like um oh my goodness i forget the quest giver but there's one man who asks you to find his sister around the uh, bar area yeah he won't go there himself because he's afflicted with a very disfiguring disease so he's afraid to encounter her and once you do, you find out that she's one of the local harlots in the town. Hmm. And just him hearing that news alone makes him happy. He's happy that she's at a station that's higher than him. And it's wow. It puts okay. things into perspective, really. It's also nice that they didn't go down the like shaming sex worker route that so many other games probably would. Oh, they... being like a sad ending. <laughs> yes. Uh, some of the harlots, sex workers, if you will, are very... Um, helpful to the nameless one throughout this game you can get a lot of advice and tips about local things that are happening in the town yeah really i think they i think they helped me find uh where to find farad when i was floundering uh looking for uh yeah for ragpicker square mort will also constantly ask you for money to spend time with the harlots Uh so (laughs) which raises more questions that i don't really want to talk about but i bet his jaw chatters and his eyes spin around Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness so um going back to farad he gives you a quest to find an orb that he's lost hmm. deep within the catacombs even farther underneath sigil this might be one of my lesser favorite parts of the game the catacombs are very um oh goodness rob what's the word i'm looking for claustrophobic yeah they're they're claustrophobic they're a little combat heavy as well Yes, they're filled with lots of monsters and cranium rats, which I hate because they do a lot of damage and they are very small to click on on the screen. Oh, I love the idea of them. But oh, it's like yeah. a great idea. But they're they're they are a bit much. Oh, they are they are no friend of mine, sir. <laughs> 
So when you went through the catacombs, did you go through the dead nations or through the warrens of thought? Um, there are two separate ways to even really get to your goal here in this game. Yeah, um, I um, I didn't I didn't realize there were two separate ways. I tried to go through the warrens. Um, I did not last against the uh, were rats. Um, yes. <laughs> so I figured that I must have taken a wrong turn. So then I ended up in the dead nations where I became uh, imprisoned. Uh, by the Silent King, um, and I really liked this part. I was like, "Oh boy, they're they're slowing down the plot." But it was like, um, once I was in there, I I, f- I felt that that wasn't the fairest um, interpretation, and that like this was kind of turning into quite an interesting Shaggy Dog story of like, let's go find this sphere, but now we're like permanent prisoner residents of this nation of skeletons um so you know like hanging out there and meeting meeting the movers and shakers there like um stale mary who teaches you how to speak to decaying zombies um and um uh suego is that his name the dustman who the dustman missionary uh, he's got a very very little secret that you can find out in this area yeah this was great um He's he he's trying to to spread the word of the true death, or so he says. Um, but uh, I found that he's actually like a host for the cranium rats, and he was just trying to take over the dead nation. Um, and dispatching him and some of his ilk uh, was uh, was what uh, what the Silent King needed to uh, let me go. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I really like the Dead Nations. It's very interesting to see this community of undead people working together and surviving, and not having to constantly try murder you. Who's that horrible ghoul woman? Um, what's her name? Oh, uh, a cast. The leader of the ghouls. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness, she's she is a character. Yeah, the ghouls are. You meet a lot of uh, friendly zombies and like helpful skeletons in the dead nation oh they're, de- the they're delightful yeah do not like you <laughs> no they, they don't like anything they just want to eat you they just see a big old pork shop walking around um and her especially like you'll get the most uh dialogue out of her uh as as the uh leader of the ghouls and a, and a mover and a shaker in the dead nations but um it's she's very quick to fly off the handle and just scream at how she about how she wants to sink her teeth into you um, yes, and you can really uh, let her go for it. It's very fun. <laughs> I believe the reasoning for why the ghouls even exist in the dead nations is because they're the strongest of the undead. Yeah, like they're the ones that are keeping the cranium rat hordes really pushed back. That's right. So like they're allowed to kill the cranium rats and eat them, but like they're still they're subjugated by the Silent King uh, to you know to to have a, a, a passive aggressive peace. Um, and, uh, this, uh, Akast, the leader of the ghouls, she's waiting for this moment to overthrow him. And, um, uh, I'm wondering if I can do anything there. Uh, I don't really want to, I don't want to help her. She's horrible. I haven't discovered it, but I haven't spent much time, but there could be. That's the Mm. great thing about this game is I always discover something new every time I go back to it. But um, did you happen to speak to the riddle skeleton? Yes, I did. Oh my he's goodness! My favorite. I love him. Yeah, he was he was very very fun. Um, <laughs> trading trading riddles back and forth and like stumping each other and him just getting angrier and angrier when you solve his riddles. It's such good experience too that you get yeah. from just giving riddles to a skeleton. Yeah, and he's got his his dirty little trick. 
Uh, I love it. Yeah, that one really surprised me. I actually kind of want to use that one on somebody in real life. Yeah, yeah. Should um, we? Should we? <laughs> should we reveal? Yeah, I was going to say. Do you remember the exacts of it? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, there's two words that begin. There, there's two words that end with uh, uh, G R Y. Uh, the first is hungry. The second is angry. And uh, the third. Uh, what, oh God, what was it? It was like the third. Um, I can't remember. It's something about the third is if you use your tongue, um, you've already said it. I, it's a clever, a much more clever wording than that. I'm yes. paraphrasing <laughs> terribly here. I've been searching for it. I cannot find a script of the game online. And I really wish I could because there are such condensed moments of dialogue that I feel should be phrased constantly. Mm. Like the riddle, for example. It is... Uh... It, 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 it's a red herring, and the hungry and the angry don't matter at all, and the, the answer to the riddle is tongue. Yeah. I also love that um, when I did it, I didn't have um, enough wisdom, so I had to go down the hard route of trading riddles to find out the answer. But mm. if you do have enough wisdom, the nameless one can just say it right away. Hmm. Which is okay. so cool. That's yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I like, uh, he also, um, the nameless one uh, stumps uh, the... Uh, the riddling skeleton with uh with one of my favorites uh uh which i i, I can't even <laughs> i can't even begin to paraphrase <laughs> but it was like the, the beginning of uh everything and the end of every place uh what am i and um i remember uh i think i remember reading that like a bunch of children thought that it was death but the answer is the letter e yeah that's right <laughs> yeah that's a good one ah uh. So it's one of my favorites because it just sounds so philosophical and, and much better than the way that I just bastardized <laughs> it. But, um, you know, it sounds so deep and then it's just, you know, it, it, it's a compl- the, the entire the entire riddle is just a big prank for the letter E. And I really respect that. <laughs> uh, all right. So I will be honest. I have played through this game three times. Mm-hmm. I have never finished the Warrens of Thought. Hmm. Because once you really, once you really get through the dead nations and discover you know, the treasure underneath, there's not much of a point to go back to the Warrens. It's just like it's an, just, an opposite route, isn't it? Yeah, it's annoying um, creatures. You do is meet. It all, is it uh, all combat with were rats? There's some dialogue. You do meet an interesting character called Many of One, who is ah, a, a cranium giant rat. cranium rat king. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, for those who don't know what a rat king is in the real world. It's a bunch of rats that are basically stuck together because of feces and what have you. And it basically formed into one. So mm. think of that, but with the mind of a super genius. Mm. It's an interesting character, but... I kind of want to go back much. and meet him, because I know that Suego is an agent of many many as one. Yeah. I'll spoil I it right now, games. though. He doesn't really come back oh, for really? much of the game. So okay. he's really... A, if you never go into the Wars of Thought, you will never encounter this character. Yeah. So he doesn't have much impact on the story at a whole. Just a just a big cool nasty thing to meet. He's <laughs> a disgusting nasty thing. Yeah. So you go through the Dead Nations. Um, you discover the bronze sphere underneath. And there's also another cool item. Did you find the decanter of endless water? I have. Yeah, I've only just identified it. Okay, I was going to say, if you did not, you're going to need to go back and get it. Okay, it's actually is, it, a is this a key item? For, 
uh, it is a requirement for acquiring one of your party members later in the game. Okay. Oh, it's a good thing I grabbed uh, yeah. that. Yeah. Remember the giant fireman in the bar? Yes. So that's where that yes. goes. Okay. The the smoldering it, corpse of the smoldering corpse bar. Who's yes. This? It will take a few more steps though. Uh huh. Before you can you know pour the water on him, but once he joins your team, he's a very powerful mage. Hmm. He's also very psychotic. He seems like a very sorrowful figure, so um, yeah, I'll have to go back and get him and see um, exactly what his deal is. Yes, but more about party members. Um, after delivering the item to Farid, a new party member joins your team. Anna. Mm-hmm. Anna. Hmm. I love her. She's good. So much. She's good so far. I, I haven't had a whole lot of time with her. Um, I was kind of playing right up to the quick to to record this, but um, running around with Anna and um, she she does not have time for you, but she's there. Um, yes. And that's um, when when that characterization is played correctly. Um, it's it's a it's a character archetype that I have a lot of affection for. Mm. She's actually the one I mentioned who can uh, teach you more theming skills if you haven't really talked to her yet. Okay, right. Yes, it's super helpful. She will teach you on every thieving skill. And once you're smart enough, you can teach her more thieving skills. Hmm. And it really develops the relationship between her and the Nameless One, which kind of ick, because I think she's probably the youngest party member Hmm. around, like, early 20s in a group of immortals and 200-year-old aliens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But they... Kind her and the nameless one kind of develop a relationship. Okay, which on like one hand, I kind of like it. One like someone's going after him, man, all for him. (laughs) On the other, he's he's probably over millions of years old at this point. Nasty million year olds need love too. (laughs) Covered (laughs) covered in scars and wearing only a loincloth. Yeah, I guess if that's what she's into fine i mean she's an adult (laughs) yeah but uh her um conversations especially with mort that you can sometimes overhear throughout the game are very entertaining oh really the party dynamics especially as you really fill out the party become fantastic Hmm. um speaking of parties though let's take a minute to talk about the old party of the previous incantation of um the nameless one did you find the nameless one's arm uh, I don't think so. I've, I've got, I think I've got the arm of like zombie 985. Is that the one? Yeah. That's, um, a different one. Okay. I'll actually, <laughs> I'll talk to you after this because I think it's very important that you pick up this item. Okay. It's, um, an arm from a previous incarnation of the nameless one and it actually has a tattoo on it. Uh, you can take it to a tattoo artist in the hive who will be able to read you what the tattoo says and it actually describes the previous members of the Nameless One's party. Oh, I need to find this. Yes. Um, um, that tattoo is... artist is interesting as well, isn't he? he? Yes. He, like, speech bubbles appear above his head with, with like, emoticons in it, basically? That's how he communicates <laughs> it's, with you? Um, the language of the Dabas yeah. are basically the janitors of the Hive. They don't interact with any other race or people there. All they do is fix things, break things, and move things. And... Mm. Nobody can really tell them otherwise. Constantly building more streets that go nowhere. Yes. <laughs> it's almost like living in Florida. <laughs> but 
Uh, going back, um, the Ten previous members of the party, mm. um, we get more information about Dianara. We also learn of a blind archer, um, a familiar, and a slave who traveled with the Nameless One. Mm. And I want to see if you can figure it out. You know two of those people, aside from Dianara. Mm-hmm. Who do you think has traveled with the Nameless One before? Uh, I think Mort's probably had his time. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, gosh, a blind archer, though. That's... Um... That that's that doesn't sound like something that would work, but <laughs> hey, it's the planes. Who knows? <laughs> they describe him as having a true sight after losing his normal sight. Okay. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> but uh, the slave is actually Dacon. Oh, really? Okay. Well, that would explain. Yes. Yeah, that would explain why why he knows his words. Mm-hmm. Mm. The uh, I always kind of hesitate to get into more spoilery territory, but I find his backstory so interesting. If you would allow me to, Rob, speak about what we discover about Dakin here. Yeah, of course. So Dakin was a leader of the Gizarthi. That is a hard word to pronounce, my friend. Um, he was once a leader, and planes actually fell because of a divide between the people. So he traveled throughout limbo, a literal limbo in this world, just wasting away waiting to die until a previous incarnation of the nameless one discovered him mm. and saved his life in turn of saving his life dakin swore to follow him until the nameless one died which as we know about the nameless one is an impossible feat mm. so dakin has been a slave for a very long time to the nameless one and you could really choose to rub it in his face which he's not very appreciative of. That doesn't or sound nice. Can, or you can work with him to help him discover how he can reverse these vows and just better befriend him. Hmm. Yeah, that 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 sounds like uh, that sounds like the action I would take because ugh, the alternative is just horrible. Yeah, the all. Oh man, some of the some of the evil actions that you can take in this game are truly reprehensible. Hmm. Like, I mean, I can play as an evil character in something like KOTOR or Mass Effect, but I've never been able to do it in Planescape. Chaotic, yes, but... Ah, oh, man, evil, it just... It leaves you feeling bad. Yeah, I'm pretty sensitive to that kind of stuff, so, like, I appreciate the options, and I like reading about them, but I'm I'm too much of a... I'm too much of a bleeding-heart baby to ever be <laughs> yeah. truly, truly horrible Being bad in these feels games. bad. Yeah. Like, you know, the most I'll do is, you know, like throw some cheese around in Skyrim. <laughs> so, I think I used to, um, I used to really relish the, um, relish the evil options when I was younger, but now, um, now that I'm older and like, they're just pixels, but still I was like, yeah. oh, like it's, it's like, who, who am I really in the dark? <laughs> you know, it, it hurts a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, I like that it makes it hurt. You know, there, there are repercussions, um, and they're, they're going to make you feel them if you're going to, choose to choose to be that bad mm -hmm. um so going on next up after um talking with ferret and having anna join your party she tells you about where she found your body immediately before the game started mm. so the last place you were alive before all this adventure happened and that lies in the alley of lingering size mm -hmm. uh a living alley if you will which I'm not even sure if it's the correct way to say it, but it's kind of 
going through a road pregnancy. Okay. If you will. Right. It's it's a weird it's oh man, that's this good. is one of the weirder parts of the game. <laughs> it's like a weird reference to birth and like you have to help this alley birth a new street. It literally involves tearing down parts of it, like shoveling up things like that. What did you think of this part? Because this is it's weird. <laughs> it's it's weird and it's hard to wrap your head around, but I'm like you know, we, we think of we think of fantasy and a certain uh like you'll get a certain image in your head when you think of literary fantasy or, or genre right. fantasy. Um and this is uh this this is definitely fantasy, but it's well beyond um <laughs> it's well beyond what you'd expect. Um and you know, hey, if if the limits of if if the limits of if if there are no limits in fiction, I mean, sure, why not have have a whole town square um, get pregnant and you know you you work as a as a, as a midwife to uh, yes. <laughs> to to to, to uh, work through this issue and get past. I mean, it's it's really something. It is very very strange, um, and you're seeing just bizarre sights and sounds all the way up to this point, and it's just. You, you don't think it's going to top itself, and then there you go, it does. Uh, I have to be honest, and uh, your game experience might be um, more intricate than mine, but I've never experienced a game that's been this creative with the world and things that can happen in it. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I've seen some great world building, but this is um, this really pulls out all the stops in terms of uh, pushing its bizarre setting to the limits. I, I don't think I've encountered yeah, actually, a fantasy world this uh, this strange. It actually makes me want to pick up one of the old Planescape D&D books and like check out how the world building wasn't there. Because I'm sure that even throughout this game, there's so much more that just hasn't been expressed to us. I hear they're pretty interesting. I hear they're they're it's one of the more interesting D and D settings. Which, well, I mean, like from this game, um, it, it stands to reason. Yeah. Speaking of a uh, Planescape books, do not pick up the novelization of Planescape Torment. Oh, did they? Do it one? is. They did, and uh, the best guess I can give you is that they wrote it with a very early script concept in mind of what the game is going to be. Because there are just glaring differences between what occurs in the game and what occurs in the novel. Mm. Like, <laughs> the one that comes off the top of my head is uh, Anna. In the game, she's a very attractive woman. She's redheaded. She is a typhling, so basically part human, part demon. Mm-hmm. But the only real demonic part about her is her tail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the books, she is a rat person. <laughs> Okay. She is a rat with rat teeth and rat nails and a rat tail, and it is not the Anna I know and love, and I don't <laughs> want anything about it. <laughs> yeah, um, game adaptations, they're tricky, no matter what way yeah. you slice them. It also tries to um, give explanation to certain unexplained things in the game, which kind of ruins it, mm-hmm. you know? Like... I like going on this quest to discover more about the nameless one. And yet the book is like, oh no, this is his real name. This is what he did. It's it's not about that. And I mean, with this type of game in particular, it's the kind of uh, story that like I'd argue can really only be told through an interactive medium. So transposing that to a 
to a to a linear literary work. I mean, um, I I can't like even if it was well written, I can't really see it working because this is all about this is this is all about immersing yourself in this world and and having your own personal journey along the way as as weird and as long or as short as you want it to be. <laughs> it's truly Planescape Torment is a one of a kind experience that I've never experienced in any other game. I've even tried a the spiritual successor, I believe, Torment Tides of Numenera. Hmm. Yeah, I've um, I've put a couple of hours into it. I like it so far, but I, I there's mm, I, I don't think it's on the same level, really. No, it's it's missing a certain charm to it, and I'm not sure how to put it into words, but it's just it's different. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good game, but it's not Planescape Torment. Yeah, which I guess might not be fair because no other game is like Planescape <laughs> Torment, so kind yeah. of a hard thing to throw at it. Uh, but, oh my goodness. So after the Alley of Lingering Sighs, you end up in the lower ward. And that is where we will cut off this episode for everybody. So, Rob, what do you think so far of your journey into the plains? Uh, I'm I'm thrilled. Uh, I'm thrilled to be giving it a proper go and uh, and to be able to discuss it. Um, it's... It's a weird old game. You know, I keep saying that, and, like, I, f- I feel like that's quite a lazy description, but uh, just the the amount of... The amount of creativity that, that Chris Avalone has put into this, and um, it really is... The, the Plains and Sigil and, and the Hive, it really is this very well-planned-out realm of endless chaos um, that it has to be seen to be believed, really. Mm-hmm. And honestly, at this point, I believe uh, I bought my Steam copy for ten bucks. Hmm. I want to say, and yeah. it goes on sale constantly. This is—if you've never experienced it—it's one of a kind. It's a little archaic, especially when it comes to combat. But story alone, it's something that must be experienced. I think by the time this is going out, it might be time for the the Steam Spring Sale. So, oh, um, that's true. So if you Heck haven't played it, folks, do see about picking that up. It'll probably be very, very well discounted by then. Oh, yes. And you, I promise you, you will have a great time. Or mm-hmm. a horrible time if you go evil. But that's your choice. Well, you yes. kind of have a horrible time even if you're good. Because it's, it's not a nice place to be. But, you know, in the best possible way. It's like the difference between stepping on a Lego and getting stabbed through the stomach, you know? Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, that. folks. Well, that is it for our episode of Retro Encounter. Uh, coming up soon on the podcast, we are going to have an RPG adaptions episode where we discuss um, existing series of games, books, TV shows that have had special run-ins with the RPG genre. Um, you'll get to hear me talk about my personal favorite, Dragon Ball Attack of the Saiyans, made by Monolith Soft, a.k.a. the Xenoblade Chronicles people. Mm. And it's a good game. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's running on that super cool um, Super Robot Wars Endless Frontier engine, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes, it is. I like that combat. <laughs> we will also be having a very special uh, Super Nintendo episode coming up. It's kind of similar to our uh, uh, Super Nintendo encounter that we had, I believe, last year, the year before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be like a spiritual successor to it. Uh, keep, keep an eye out for it. I promise you will enjoy it. Um, April for us is also going to be our Zelda month. 
We'll be having four Zelda-themed episodes going on throughout the month. Uh, I can't really discuss what those episodes what will be, but we did have a viewer poll go up, and I believe it was the Minish Cap that won that poll. So keep an eye out for that special episode. That and more uh, like and review- Yes. <laughs> uh, like and review us on iTunes and Google Play and uh, wherever else you tend to enjoy podcasts. So, uh, Rob, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MissAnthroBob, and you can find me on the boards uh, every so often as Towns Carmarty. Very nice. I've always wondered about that name. I've always wanted to ask you. Towns Carmarty? Yes. Uh, well, there's the FM Towns Marty, which is um, the uh, game system by uh, Fujitsu Machines with the coolest name because it has Marty in the name. And the <laughs> FM Towns Car Marty is the special uh special version of the console that you could install in, in the back seat of your car and oh it uh, functioned as a uh, functioned as a navigation system up front and the kids could play the games in the back oh my gosh that's so cool and i saw somebody else already had the name fm towns so uh, i went a step further and went went for the uh very uh, yuppie uh, car model <laughs> Very nice. I'll have to check that out sometime. Mm. Uh, listeners, if you'd like to find me, uh, I'm very active on Twitter. My handle there is Kaylee Brand. And occasionally I'll be on the forums as uh, Fozzie Bear, no relation to the Muppet. Waka waka. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll never lose that. <laughs> All right, listeners, well, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks. See you later. Thanks.